Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I uh, don't know why you'd return anything because what? But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Hey everybody, welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. I'm Matt. I'm Dory. We're back, um, and uh, we're delighted to join you all for all right. another adventure in eggs. <laughs> Hard-boiled eggs? Uh, sometimes it feels like it, you know? Yep. Sometimes it feels like it. Yep. So everybody, if you're uh, new to the podcast, welcome. If you're old to the podcast and you haven't left an Apple review on Apple Podcasts of the podcast, do so. And you have Apple devices. Right. If you don't have Apple devices... What's the point? Yeah. Really. Um, Facebook group is available to be grouped at. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash excellent adventures. No S. No I S. just added an S. <laughs> um, and our website is excellentadventure.com. You can also visit patreon.com forward slash excellent adventure to find out how you can be a part of the fun. And so much fun it is. Yeah. 
have a listen to a bonus episode where we mostly discuss multi-level marketing. <laughs> it's a blast. It's a hoot. Okay. Dory. I want also... Honey, people can email us at Dory and Matt at Gmail or Matt and Dory and Gmail. And they can call us at 413-461-BABY. B-A-B-Y. Yep. Leave the last S off for savings. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's National Infertility Awareness Week. Yep. Were you aware that some people are infertile? Um, I am now. Were you not previous to this week? Nope. Thank God. It's really yep. getting the word out there. I know. Thank goodness for weeks like this. If you're a part of this week, let us know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, you seem to not um, have a good time with what? this week. You seem to like not be a fan of this. <sighs> Long sigh. Well, I don't want to diminish the work that our excellent uh infertility nonprofits do yeah because i think they help a lot of people yeah so i'm just gonna leave it at that okie dokie there you go everybody dory has some opinions and she's not sharing them why would she this is a podcast (laughs) um i just honey it's okay you don't have to i'm not coaxing you i feel like we are i feel like we're like half a step away from like a from like the pink stand mixer the pink breast cancer stand mixer. We're getting one? No, I feel like we're... Is ha- there one? Yes. Well, that seems fun. I feel People like we're... like pink. Why not donate a little bit of money to the breast cancer awareness? I just feel like we're... You're confusing me right now. Okay. You know what? I'm just going to stop talking. I don't understand. I... What color would it be, first of all, the stand mixer? I don't and know. And it's really nice of KitchenAid to want to get on board with this cause and start donating some money to infertility research. <laughs> I really don't see a problem here. So okay. far, so far, so good. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Anyway, happy National Infertility Awareness Week, everyone. Get your green uh, stand mixers. Yep. For uh, babies. And, uh, you know, if you if you haven't told people in your life that you're going through this, now is a good time to do it. Yeah. Be like, hey, listen, you know that it's Infertility Awareness Week. You have to talk like that. Well, I'm... Infertility. Are you aware of that? <laughs> no, mother. We haven't. What are you talking about? I'm uh, having that conversation. <laughs> Who calls their mother mother besides Mike Pence? I don't know. No, my, Mike calls Pence his calls his wife, wife mother. Wife, mother. <laughs> mother, mother and I can't conceive a baby. Uh, now he calls them both. And that must get confusing. Uh, if assuming she's still alive, sure. I bet it's very confusing. Yeah. Maybe he calls her mommy. A lot of weird things out there, everybody. <laughs> um, we're going to read a couple of emails, and then we have an interview that Dory did today with the surrogate and uh, her husband. Yep. Well, that's fun. Yeah. It was, it was really interesting. How many times has she... Well, you know what? Save it, I guess. Save it Save for it. the interview. Save it for the eye interview. It's going to be a really a hoot. Well, you know, it just, it occurred to me that we've, you know, we haven't done a ton of interviews, but they've been with people who are going through infertility. Mm -hmm. So I thought it'd be interesting to speak with someone who had been a surrogate. Yeah. No, it's a, it's another aspect. of Another angle. Another whole other angle. I think it's good that we're doing this during infertility awareness week. Right. Call your local senator. 
Uh, sure. I don't know why you would do that. But well, you know what you could call your you know what you could call your local senator about. There are a few things actually. Now that you mention it, one is there are a lot of states that are not surrogacy friendly. Mm-hmm. New York being one of them. Mm-hmm. Another thing is there are only eight states in the United States where infertility coverage is mandated. Mm-hmm. So that is something you could get on the horn about. Yeah, we have more pressing matters right now. Like what? The world falling apart. Oh, yeah. So. All right. Well, table those. Yep. And work on the world not falling apart. Yep. Good luck, everybody. We'll see you on the other side <laughs> of the apocalypse. Yeah. Good luck. Um, I guess we'll be lucky that we don't have to worry about a third person during the apocalypse <laughs> we, just go, we just got Bo to worry about yeah what about Bo way to go everybody I don't think Bo would infertility's be... having its upside. I don't think Bo is going to be great in the apocalypse I yelled at Bo very much this afternoon this evening you did I did I kind of I you, kind of you kind of lost it I kind of lost it at Bo and, and, and shoved him away yeah and then he came into my office very sad like he was very confused he's like dad yelled at me i'm so sorry buddy i'm so sorry i was dealing with a printer that won't recognize an ink brand new ink cartridge two of them two brand new ink cartridges printers are the biggest scam ever perpetrated on humanity yeah so i'm gonna go get a new printer at some point not tomorrow because quite frankly i have more things to do than go get a printer but yep (laughs) (laughs) You have more things to we're do. We're doing this. Uh, we're doing this uh, podcast printer free, guys. Yep. No printer. No printer it has been harmed in the making of this episode. But mats have been harmed in the making of yes. this episode. I almost smashed the printer, and then I thought about like, what? What is that a saying about me? That this printer is making me destroy it. Nothing good. Yeah. So I didn't. I didn't, right. I didn't, well, I didn't hit it. You know, I didn't, I didn't break the glass on the you, scanning bed. It's good that you took a beat. And I really, because I really wanted to take that printer to task. Okay, you sure showed that printer who was boss. I didn't show it anything because it, <laughs> it is still the boss. It is still not working. It is the boss of you. It is. It's uh, it's an Epson Workforce 2460. If you have one of those, destroy it. It's worked like 50% of the time that we've had it. It goes through ink at a rate unseen. Like... Literally, I've never seen anything go through ink this fast. Yeah. I mean, this, we like, I literally learned about this in economics class in my freshman year of college. This is, this is an actual, this is actually a scam. I know. We can't do anything about it. I know. They have us by the balls. Can't do anything about it as long as the printed word exists. And we print probably 10 to 12 pages a week. Yeah, we don't print that much. I know. It's very frustrating. It's crazy. We never print in color, correct? Correct. There's part of me that's thinking we should just get, just get a laser a printer. Yeah. And just throw it in there. Yeah. You know? What, wait, what, a jet? An inkjet. Oh. What about, what What happened to like the old school laser printers? I mean, we can get a laser printer, right? I had a laser printer in college. Boy, you were fancy. I was fancy. And you know what? That cartridge never had to be replaced. I mean, they're big because they're work, but we don't have the space. That's the thing. I was going to get a bigger one. I'm like, where am I? Where are we going to put it? There's nowhere to put it. 
We could put it in my office. No, there's nowhere. It, it would be too much for your office, right? It'd be too big. Where would where would it go? We could put it under the where the pictures are. Under the pictures. No, you don't want that there. You don't want a giant printer. It's right. a monstrosity. Okay. Anyway, we'll solve our printer woes. You know what I was eventually. thinking tonight? No, I don't. I, th- I think I want to get a piano. You want to get a piano? Where are you going to put it? I don't know. <laughs> Guys, we can't put a large printer anywhere, and she then decides she wants a piano. Well, you have a room taken up with guitars. I have my office. You want to put a piano in your office? Go for my it. My office is a third the size of your office. You got the bigger office because you have a lot of guitars. Yeah. So. I also um, do the most cool things. Uh-huh. Sometimes I'm in my office doing very cool things. Like masturbating? Sure. Okay. And uh, guitar masturbating. <laughs> a lot of guitar masturbating. Um, you know, I'm looking up some cool uh, guitars. That, that's something I look up. I don't know. You can't, you can't, first of all, you can't put it on an exterior wall. Literally the only wall it could go is here. Mm-hmm. Or the, this one going that way in your office right that's it that's it like you couldn't put a piano in the in this office i guess you could put one facing the bathroom yeah that's it yep hmm no i don't think one would fit in the bathroom this i just don't i just don't know what to do what what to tell you it's just with my newfound love of musical theater Oh, is that where this is all coming from? Yes. You, that's why you want a piano. You want like, to play some show tunes. Yes. I was like, that would be so fun to play, play some show tunes. Why don't you just get a keyboard and plug your headphones in? Because it's it. not the same. The keys don't feel the same. You can under get your, weighted keys. You can? Yeah. Oh. Why didn't anyone tell me that? Oh, I, I, there's been a lot of improvements in keyboard technology <laughs> since, since the, the 90s. 70s. <laughs> All right. I'm going to, you know what? That'll be a good birthday present for me. Okay. I'll drop three grand on a keyboard for you. Oh, they cost three grand? I thought like they a cost good one. Like, you want a good one that sounds like a piano, don't you? They cost like 300 bucks. Whose piano costs $300? Like a mini Casio costs like <laughs> But those don't have weighted keys. I know. That's what I was, that's why I was like, I can't get a keyboard. Uh, I'm very confused as to what you think you want. I really just want a piano. Um, guys, big news. Trading Spaces is back. Um, so I've been watching that. Yep. I fell asleep watching it last night. Didn't even make it to the big Vern and Genevieve <laughs> episode. Um, how did the, how did the, the parent reveal gotta say, go? The rooms went great. They, oh, they were good. They were really good looking rooms. Those mm. two did. Well, very similar paint palettes. But, yeah. Uh, very different rooms. Well, I'll have to check um, them out. Should we, uh, should we get to these emails? Uh, you can get to whatever you'd like. It's right. your podcast, too. This is from Julia. Hi, Matt, Dory and Matt and Bo. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's writing in about my little rant about the term infertility warrior. Oh, I see. Okay, this is interesting. I, too, am bothered by the warrior slash journey slash so strong sentiment. Though not considered infertile, I had a miscarriage during my, during my first and only pregnancy. It felt so condescending, pitying, and dismissive to have people tell me I was so strong and that they can't imagine what I'm going through when they literally could not. Mm-hmm. While I was and still am completely heartbroken over the loss, I don't need or want anyone's pity. I don't 
want to be told I should be feeling a certain way because someone else is uncomfortable with my experience. I don't feel strong. I don't consider this a journey. I'm sad and angry and have every right to feel what I want about it. Rather than speaking in platitudes and inspirational poster quotes, it would feel much better to have someone to act like they see me and hear me and just say, that sucks. Much love to all of you. I'm sorry life sucks sometimes. Thanks for your honesty and willingness to speak your truth best, Julia. Julia gets me. Julia, thanks for getting Dory. Someone has to. I wish that the slogan for National Infertility Awareness Week was like, this all fucking sucks. Oh, is that your problem? What? Of course it sucks. Everything that everything there's an awareness week for sucks. Nothing there's an awareness week for is like great. Totally. I like there's friendship awareness week. Can't we just all be honest about it though? What do you mean? So I mean, this seems to be like you also, I feel like you have this problem referring to like cancer then, right? Yeah, I do. Oh, what, what, what would you rather it be? I want you to market this to me. Go ahead. Uh, I want it to be more like, hey, this all sucks. Let's tell everyone how much it sucks. The end. Yes. Great. I know you did it. Okay. Um, this next email is from Megan. What's up, Megs? Wait, and also, let me just say. For the record, here for she the, goes. For the record. Buckle up. Um, real. I'm also writing an essay about this. I should, I should say. Oh, well, you have no outlet for it anymore. I'm sorry. You can no longer write essays. What? Mm, that's what Buzzfeed told me. Oh my God. They're like, she's going to try to write essays. I don't know. They lied to you. Um, if it helps you to be called a warrior, then like, that's great for you. It doesn't help me. Okay. That's it. Okay. This is from Megan. Hello, Matt and Dory. This email is more geared toward Matt and his renewed attempts to eat healthily and exercise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have been diagnosed with binge eating disorder and I'm in therapy working on the many issues surrounding my unhealthy relationship with food. Despite my diagnosis, I was able to lose over 100 pounds in 2011. And with a few hiccups since then, I've maintained that weight. Do you think she means actual hiccups? Like she hiccuped a few times? I guarantee you she had hiccups a few times. I get it from spicy food. Hmm. I get it when I eat too fast. Mm. I think that part of my success is my background as a psych teacher and my love of exercising. Listening to Matt discuss his current struggles with eating and exercise had me nodding my head along in agreement multiple times. Matt recently told a story about buying a small cake at Trader Joe's and eating the entire thing over the course of the day. Well, uh, to be fair, uh, there was almost a slice left that I threw out. Continue. (laughs) This story has really stuck with me because I talk about situations exactly like this when I lecture on the psychology of willpower. Oh, and how I have none. Continue. Psychologists have been studying human willpower for a long time and have come to the conclusion that we have a finite amount of willpower to use each day. You have come to this. This the this um, person. No, she says in. psychologists have. Oh, come on. Okay. All right. The more times we have to say no to temptation of any kind, not just food, throughout the day, the more likely we are to eventually give in to temptation. Hmm. Okay. One study I always talk about in class had two different groups of participants that were asked to take a really long and boring survey. The survey was pointless. Researchers were testing how many questions the participants would answer before giving up. Before taking the survey, both groups were seated in a waiting room with a plate of cookies. One group was told that they absolutely could not eat the cookies, while the second group was told they could have as many as they liked. Mm. 
The first group that had to resist the cookies gave up on the boring survey way before the group that did not need to use willpower to resist the cookies. (laughs) So that means... They were like, I gotta get out of here. These cookies are too tempting. By bringing cake into the house, Matt had to continually resist it throughout the day. Yep. Which would naturally deplete his willpower reserves. When you take that into account with all the other times Matt would have had to exert willpower throughout the day, i.e. completing a task he didn't want to do, being nice to someone he doesn't like, (laughs) not honking his horn at someone who cut him off, not a honker, resisting a cigarette, etc. Psychology says that eventually he would give into the temptation to eat the cake. Mm. Having the information has been really helpful to me because I'm more aware of not unnecessarily depleting my willpower reserves. For example, if I know there is cake in our faculty lounge, I won't go there to check my mail that day. I will ask a friend to do it for me. That way, I don't have to waste my willpower reserves saying no to the cake. Oh, or to uh, some sort of delicious menu that a waiter drops by your desk. Right. Hmm. You know how people eat at desks in restaurants. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, like, maybe you shouldn't go to Trader Joe's. um, Okay happy to it's a horrible place <laughs> i love it why i think they have great stuff they but, do they have great stuff but it's also like a madhouse in the parking lot which one do you go to la brea and third oh don't go to that one okay yeah, that's, thanks that's thanks the for bad one thanks for making it easier for me to go to trader joe's <laughs> you're telling me not to go to trader joe's <laughs> all right well I think we should. I don't know if I buy this whole, there's a finite amount of willpower. Well, I think what she didn't go into, which I, I don't know, but I'm going to guess is that everyone's willpower reserves are different. Mm-hmm. So some people have a lot of willpower and can put themselves in situations where they can resist things. And then other people don't. Well, I mean, I went to Vegas and didn't smoke. So yeah, that's amazing that's something yeah that's huge and and it didn't that uh, i didn't eat a whole cake while i was there but i did gamble a lot i don't know <laughs> hard to say hard to say but there was no trader joe's in the casino uh true honey i don't know what i was thinking keyboards aren't that expensive <laughs> oh, okay. even with weighted keys really yeah okay but, cool because like you know my brain i think is just in guitar town Oh, sure. So I think like an expensive guitar is like three thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So I, I assumed keyboards would be similar, but no, honey, haven't you learned all of my hobbies are cheaper than yours? Yeah, yeah, except for face stuff. Your face stuff hobby is so much more expensive than mine. No, but my face stuff hobby is cheaper than your guitar hobby. TBD. What just created a black mark across your forehead? Probably the ink cartridges. Oh, no, the ink cartridges. Oh, boy. I quit life. No. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? 
Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of the heel that goes up a little, just a, just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I uh, don't know why you'd return anything because what? <laughs> but they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. <laughs> That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintage colored rib socks. You know, those like you know uh, stripes on the top of it. it's like oh hey look at me i'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person they've got those too and they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff you know if for all you frill seekers out there folks all i'm saying is you heard me talk about bombas for years now i don't know why you haven't done anything about it get comfy this spring and give back with bombas Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Um, should we read these last two emails before we go to the interview or should we do the interview and then come back to these last two emails? What do you think, honey? I mean, it's really up to America. So start voting. Okay, results are coming in. Okay. What are they saying? Oh, boy. Looks like we really should have campaigned in the Midwest a little more. Oh, no. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. <sighs> Did we win the popular vote? Uh, we are the least popular, actually. Oh, no. Yeah. That's um, so sad. So, anyway, I guess we will play this interview, and then we'll come back and finish the last two emails. Great. Book ending. The Wonder. Here it is. Dory Shafrir interviews two people. <laughs> Thanks. Honey. That's my description of it. <laughs> so I am here today with Erica Gannon and her husband, Mike Martin, who live outside of Atlanta. And Erica had initially reached out to me because I was looking to interview someone who had been a surrogate. And um, Erica had been a surrogate. So welcome, Erica and Mike. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, there is, we hear from a lot of people who have experience kind of on the other side, um, who have used surrogates or gestation, gestational carriers. Um, but we haven't talked to many surrogates. So I guess I'm curious, like first, why you wanted to be a surrogate? Yeah, that's the question everybody always has. And also during the whole process, I think that was Mike's first question too, of course, when I, <laughs> I think I want to do this thing. And he said, why? Um, I, I, the main reason was because when we had our son, um, we had pretty much decided from the beginning that he was going to be an only child. Okay. And, um, after he got a little older, he was only about maybe a year and a half, um, two years old, I said, I really want to be pregnant once more, but I don't want to have another kid. And I kept thinking about it. And, oh, and wow. then eventually it occurred to me that um, there was a way I could be pregnant one more time, but not have another kid. And it had the bonus of being helpful to someone else. And so I started doing some research and went from there. So Mike, what went through your mind when Erica first proposed this? So to be honest, I, I thought this was something that she was thinking about and that it would probably pass. Uh-huh. And, and, and so, you know, I was, I basically was, was like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. <laughs> right. Go ahead and look into it. Uh-huh. And, and I really, I honestly thought that I wasn't against it, but I didn't really get it. And I figured that once she did the research and found out how complicated it was, and once she actually thought about it more, she probably wouldn't do it. Mm. And so we, we had to have a big moment when, when it actually looked like it was going to happen. So let's, let's go back a little bit. Um, are you just one of those people who like loves being pregnant? Like what, what was it about the pregnancy experience that made you want to do it again? Um, yeah, I really, I, I didn't know that I would like being pregnant. I guess you never know until you Mm -hmm. do it. Um, but I really did. And, uh, this is one of those areas where I almost felt like I should, I didn't know how much to say about it because I want to be sensitive to the fact that there are definitely people, many people listening who, um, you know, want to go through this experience, um, and, and haven't gotten to, but, uh, I really, the beginning is hard. I was very sick with both pregnancies. The end is hard, uh, because you're just tired and ready for it to be over. But there's a whole middle area there where I just felt like a million bucks and I felt like strong and amazing and like my body is the coolest thing ever. And you just feel like connected to this little person. And I thought, I think I could still feel that even if it wasn't my little person. Oh, wow. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the process. Once you had made this decision, you know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a surrogate. What did you do? Did you contact an agency? Did you just, yeah, I actually went online of course. And, um, I mean, even though this was, this was like uh, 10 years ago at this point, but there was still all the stuff online. And I went, um, I did find an agency that had, um, kind of a, an offshoot office in our area in the state of Georgia. And, um, they were pretty excited to have someone from Georgia because, or apparently they had sort of uh, started seeking out people from Georgia because surprisingly enough, Georgia has pretty, uh, surrogacy friendly 
laws mm-hmm. um, in that you can get the pre-birth order um, mm-hmm. and, and uh, have that all taken care of before the child is ever born, which you can't do in all states. Yeah. And, um, and, and so I did some research. I signed up with this agency. It was a small agency. Uh, and when you sign up with an agency, or at least when I did, um, it's, it's got a time limit on it, I guess, sort of similar to when you sign a contract with a real estate agent. Like if we don't get it done in a certain number of months, then you can decide whether you want to stay with us or not. And of course, during this time that, that, um, I was also going on to, um, there's a site. And it's, it still seems to be a popular one because I was kind of looking around the other day just to do a little research on what's going on now. Um, there was a site called Soro Moms online and they do classified ads. Basically, it's kind of like dating for surrogates and intended. Oh, wow. And I've been hunting around on that, picking up information and um, contacting a couple of people who I found, you know, interesting as intended parents and, um, you know, basically, as far as the agency thing goes, after a period of time, I felt like, um, you know, they haven't matched me up with someone mm. yet. And I feel like I can do this on my own at this point. Oh, so, wow. yeah, because I initially I thought I have no idea what to do. And then as the months went by and I was doing more and more of my own research, I felt like I don't really know that I need them in this process. And an agency is um, an additional adds an additional cost on for the intended parents. So there are definitely, you know, intended parents who like to work with people independently as well. Well, and that's so interesting because I feel like the perception is that it's, you know, it's really hard for intended parents to find surrogates. So it's, it's interesting for me to hear that, you know, you were out there a willing and able surrogate and, and for whatever reason you weren't able to get matched um, with parents. Yeah. And, you know, it, it seemed to me as I was looking around um, online more recently that the balance really was more toward at this point, um, more parents looking for surrogates than surrogates looking for um, parents. Yeah. And but I felt like it was the that the balance wasn't in that direction or, you know, that it was maybe more half and half kind of when I was. Oh, interesting. In my process. So. Uh, that seems to be something that's shifted some. And I also, I mean, it's been 10 years, like I said, but I also noticed that the um, fees that people are asking for have gone up a good bit from uh, from what it was when I did it. Okay, so you stopped working with the agency and then how did you go about finding um, people who were interested in, in using a surrogate? I was um, using the looking at the classified ads on the Soro Moms uh, site, and um, I was really looking for someone who was in my general area, um, at least you know uh, Atlanta area, ideally, but surrounding states as well, because I really wanted intended parents who uh, could be involved in the process. I didn't want mm. a distance kind of relationship. And uh, so in looking around, most of the people that um, there were only a few couples, I would say, that I contacted and really had uh, some more in-depth conversations with, and they were all in the area. Um, but once I found um, my my guys, Mel and Jeff, uh, they were in the Atlanta area, and um, we hit it off pretty quickly. 
uh, in part because um, I'm a psychology professor, my husband's a psychologist, and um, one of the guys in the couple is a psychologist. So basically, out of the four of us, oh, there cool. were <laughs> in the room. And, uh, oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah, so we we had that in common, but we went. We actually went through a little bit of a process where, when I was still working with the agency, I had talked to them. Um, they had said we're interested, and then talked to the agency themselves and kind of come back and said we hate to do this, but we really feel like the fees are probably out of what we were hoping to pay, and we were hoping to work with someone independent. And oh, I said, "Wow, I understand. I'm I'm connected to this agency still." And then once I decided, once I, my period of time had ended and I was allowed to, um, you know, uh, ethically, you know, to to freelance. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, contacted them and they said, Oh no, we're, we're working with someone else and we're starting the process with her, um, starting getting the contract started and everything. And, uh, I was disappointed and I told Mike, I really thought there was some feeling I had that these were the, the people. And then about a month after that, they came back to me and said, are you working with anybody yet? Cause it fell through with this oh, other wow. person to work with. So, um, it took us a few months to finally kind of get it all together. But then once we did, um, the whole process was like moved pretty quickly. And Mike, what was your... And what was your involvement at this stage? Like, did you did you have a say in um, the the couple that Erica was intending to carry for, or were you just kind of like standing back? Or no, you- at this point, at this point, I was in, I was engaged in talking to her and everything, and you know, we do everything together. So, um, so we talked about it a lot, and you know, the the moment we had when we actually met them, and it looked like it was going to happen. You know, she actually looked at me and said, you know, this looks like it may happen. How do you really feel about it? Oh, wow. Because because she could tell that I had, you know, I don't know if it was hesitation, but, but what I had was a confusion, you know, because I told her, I said, you know, I, I, I get that you want to do this, but I I don't really understand why. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's a great thing to do and all that, but you know, we, we don't need the money like some people do, Mm -hmm. you know wasn't um we weren't doing super well back then the money was nice but it wasn't it wasn't that you know and she said this isn't going to make any sense to you but i just kind of feel called to do it wow and she said that because i'm i'm very kind of rational person and 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 i said no actually that does make sense to me that's the only thing that makes sense to me you know because rational there's a reason to do that and from that moment on i have to say i was 100 percent supportive Wow. Yes. And he, I mean, Mike was a champ through the whole thing. Cause of course we had a toddler and yeah. I mean, from the beginning to the end, he was completely supportive. And, and, uh, when you're, uh, initially doing a lot, like basically he had to be involved in all of the, um, early kind of screening appointments. He had to go to the medical, to the IVF clinic and have all his own, you know, STD tests and all kinds of things like that. He had to go to the psychologist appointment with me where we were both screened. Uh, Which was pretty funny. Yeah, that was funny. Because <laughs> you're both psychologists. Yes. And I told the woman, I said, listen, I know you, you say you want me to take this um, assessment, but I just wanted to tell you just for full disclosure, like I've given this assessment. <laughs> I know how to use this assessment. Is it, It's not even really going to be valid. And she said, 
I understand, but I just have to put it in my report. So I just need you to take right. it. Right. She, okay. she just said, she said, don't invalidate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's really yeah. funny. Um, but you know, so he had to be totally involved in the process, and and uh, he he really was. I just yeah, I just signed the contract. Yeah, he oh, has to okay. contract. Yeah, of course, because of course, on a practical level, they want to make sure that your spouse isn't going to try and attempt any sort of strange uh, legal maneuver to keep the child that's coming out of you. I guess I don't know, but Some weird thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, signing a surrogacy contract is just like signing a mortgage. It is very complicated. Wow. If you're in front of an attorney and you have to initial each page and, you know, it's, it's it reminded me of, of taking out a mortgage. Wow. Um, so let's talk about the, before we kind of get into the, the more of the experience, let's talk about the financial aspects of it. Um, mm-hmm. So you, you know, you stated that going through an agency is much more expensive for the intended parent. Um, but for you, I mean, did you ever feel like you weren't protected or, you know, were there any, was there ever any point where you were like, Oh, you know, maybe it would have been better to go through an agency. Um, or how did that whole kind of negotiation go? No, I, well, I, no, I, I definitely felt like, uh, I, I think if you're going to do it yourself as the, um, surrogate, you have to be able to express what you want and express any concerns you have. Yeah. And you also have to be able um, to be, you know, somewhat assertive. I never, ever felt like they were trying to take advantage of me or not give me something. I mean, quite the opposite. But um, so I think a lot of that goes to your relationship with the intended parents, too. But, uh, you know, I, I was I was actually looking back through some old emails to kind of refresh myself on the whole timeline. Uh, before we talked. And, you know, there were several emails where the attorney had sent me um, an initial contract and I had looked it over and said, well, I've read somewhere that we should also include this. You know, what do you think about that? And, and you know, went back and forth a little bit. So I do think you have to be um, maybe take take the responsibility to educate yourself and right. that you're willing to be assertive if you're going to do this on your own. But um yeah, I never felt uh, like anyone was trying to take advantage of me or anything like that. We we had such a good match. Yeah, because we're we're still friends with the intended parents. Oh wow, the actual parents they yes, were intended at the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now they are parents. <laughs> yeah, I'm just flowing into her terminology. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, how much did you get to be a surrogate? The um, baseline was twenty thousand okay. dollars, and it looks it looks to me from kind of hunting around because I, I remember hearing somebody say on the show um, forty thousand, but yeah. at least in in most places it looks like uh, that's a little on the high side, uh, or maybe more what you would get if you were doing a second or subsequent um, surrogacy process because mm-hmm. people who've done it before get a higher fee in part because they are a known quantity. You know, they've done it successfully. There's a lot more confidence, I think, on the part of the parents that they can do it, not have any drama. Everything's going to be okay. Um, so it looks like that nowadays in the $30,000 range is a little more common for first time okay. um surrogates and that you get up into the more that 35 40 is more um a second time or an experienced um surrogate but there's also uh 
incidental kind of they're in a surrogacy, any kind of standard surrogacy, surrogacy contract, there's going to be, um, money, uh, a few hundred dollars or so. There's kind of a range of things that happen when you, um, start going to the appointments, when you actually do the, um, the IVF, when, when you have the implantation done mm-hmm. and, um, there are also things built into the contract regarding what would happen if you lost the pregnancy, if you were on bed rest, and those kinds of factors are also. Did you get a clothing in. allowance too? I did get. I got a little bit of a, a maternity clothing allowance. Yeah. So. And did they have to pay your health insurance during this time? Like I've heard different things about how, how we were, health insurance works. Uh, That was interesting. Yeah, we were actually fortunate um, because I had health insurance that covered pregnancy, my pregnancy, with no explicit exclusions. And so that was um, my understanding now is that we we still have the same health insurance. And um, having dug around a little bit, it sounds like they have since put in some qualifiers around that and Mm. said that. Um, specifically you're caring for someone else contractually, then they won't cover that pregnancy. But that was not in the um, language when I was doing it. And of course, uh, as part of the legal process, their um, attorneys also combed through the insurance policy to verify that. And, um, and it was all, you know, pretty straightforward. So my health insurance covered it from beginning to end. The only thing they ended up paying was, um, in, in terms of the pregnancy itself was just the, uh, the hospital, the portion of the hospital bill that I would have had to have paid, which was, um, several hundred dollars. I see. Okay. But of course the, they, um, you know, paid out of pocket for all of the, uh, reproductive process at the beginning. Yeah. And they they already had embryos. They already had embryos frozen when Yes. Okay. They did and they had um what, like I said when we got together the process was very uh moved along really well and we did uh one embryo, one transfer and had one baby. And wow. so it was really uh, easy from my perspective. It yeah. was a much longer process for them. They had already uh, worked with a surrogate uh, uh-huh. who had had a failed transfer. And uh, post the failed transfer, uh, I guess, you know, they, they tend to do a sort of looking into the situation and seeing if they can figure out why it didn't work. And in doing that, I don't know all the details, but they found something uh, with her that they felt like would make it problematic to move forward and try another transfer. Oh, wow. And so they had already been through that process oh. and kind of dealt with that and, and, uh, had had several months of being, um, separated from that situation before they moved forward again. So yeah, they, they had, um, several embryos ready and I am, um, we agreed together to do, uh, just one embryo uh, transfer at a time because I'm short, I'm small, and <laughs> we all agree <laughs> pregnancy would be probably a bad idea. So, uh, and the the uh, clinic agreed. So, what did you tell your son while you were pregnant? Mm. 
we told him that I was um, basically growing a baby for Mel and Jeff. And uh, I talked to them ahead of time and made sure it was okay if I used their first names. And from the very beginning, um, we had, like the first time they met me, they came out to the house to meet all three of us. And so, um, and they spent time with us and we went over to their house and so we got to know them a little bit during the process. And so once I was actually pregnant, the whole, um, you know, we're growing a baby in here for Mel and Jeff was understandable to him because right. he knew Jeff were. Right, right, right. And uh, so it was, we, we, it was, you know, a, it's something we can just continuously talked about. And he was um, a very verbal kid and and I think understood and I remember a time in the grocery store when we were checking out and the person said are you looking forward to having a little brother or sister and he said that's not my little brother or sister and they just laughed because they thought he was being you <laughs> know like ornery. no really <laughs> yeah and uh and of course I'm not going to explain it to the cashier so right. I just moved that's on so but, funny yeah I was wondering but it is a if he had it is said something to strangers. To, yeah. <laughs> it is the thing you have to explain to lots of people in your life who see you pregnant and will then see you without a baby. And so yeah. you you have to tell tons of people, yes, I'm pregnant, but here's the story because you're not going to see a baby later and, and nothing bad will have happened. You know? Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cheesy and I, I used to tell people and had a little bit of glee in telling people that... Uh, um, yeah, she's pregnant. It's not mine. And they'd kind of give me a look and I would say, uh, it's not hers either. Uh, that's funny. And then we would, exp- then we would explain. Right. So. Right. Um, so when you were pregnant, uh, you know, I guess, how was your relationship developing with, um, Mel and Jeff? Yeah. Um, uh, they went to, um, or Mel is um, just because of his work and him being a psychologist and having a little bit more of a flexible schedule. He was the one who came to more appointments with me and um, the, you know, he was there for the transfer. He stood there and, you know, sat with me in the waiting room and held my hand and the whole thing. And we uh, crossed our fingers together and um, he came to several of the uh, OB appointments. He came to my first, um, OB appointment with me, um, so that I could introduce him to the doctor and, uh, we could talk about the two of them being in the delivery room with me and that kind of thing. And, uh, they were, he came to the, all the ultrasounds that I had. And so they were really involved in the whole process and just, you know, checked in with me regularly. I, as I said, I was looking back through some emails and I found emails where they were emailing me, asking me if my morning sickness had gotten any better and, um, sent me flowers and, you know, just, they still send me a birthday card every year and tell me how thankful they are for me. And they they send a birthday on, on his birth. Yeah. They send, they send me, that's cute texts on his birth and yeah so we developed a a nice friendship and you know you you were saying both of you were saying that you had to kind of explain it um to other people did you get any I I guess like what was what was the reaction from people both positive and negative 
I mean, I think it was mostly, uh, obviously it's not something that most people have done before or even know someone who has done yeah. before. So it, people are very interested and very curious about it. Uh, but I would say that most people's reactions were positive. Uh, I will say that it, with, with my close family, of course, um, they all knew that I was caring for a gay couple and, um, and ended up coming to the hospital to meet the baby because of course they had seen me pregnant and been involved in the process to some extent. And so they wanted to, to see the baby and meet the guys and, and all that. But uh, there were, it depended on the level of relationship I had with people, whether I went into the whole story about how it was, um, gay parents or whether I just left it at, I'm caring for a couple who can't have children themselves. Right. Some of my, some of my family still don't know it was a gay couple. Oh, wow. Okay. I hope they I'm, don't listen I, to this podcast. I, I, <laughs> it's fine at this point. But they, uh, at this point, we'll deal with that if it blows yeah, in. But no, it's, yeah. it, it just wasn't. It, it was people that, well, I mean, my close family didn't know either, but they're in different. They're in a different state, and it was just, you know, I just didn't want to deal with it, and, and I didn't have to. So they knew about the surrogacy, and they knew about the pregnancy, of course, but they they, they, they would ask questions about the couple, and I would be vague. So I'd, I'd be surprised if some of them haven't figured it out. Yeah. Wow. Um, so once you had the kid, I mean, you know, everyone talks about pregnancy hormones and, and it just, it's just so emotional, the whole experience and giving birth and, you know, how did you feel after that? Um, you know, I really, I had had some postpartum depression after my own son was born, but I really felt like a lot of that was a result of having a lot of trouble with nursing. And also I really am bad at being sleep deprived. Um, hence, and he was a terrible sleeper. Hence one of the reasons I thought, I think we're a one and done, you know, kind of family. Mm. Uh, and so I was anticipating that that could happen after this birth as well, but, but it really didn't. And, um, you know, I had very little uh, problems with, you know, sadness or crying or anything. I did have a little, I had like a little, little mini meltdown in the hospital one night because I had told them that I would try to um, pump for them for a little bit. And they had said, no, you don't have to do that. And I said, no, I, I want to, it's, you know, here I am making milk, I can give it to you. And uh, I t- tried pumping the colostrum at the beginning while I was still in the hospital. And I just thought, I cannot do this. Mm. I cannot do anything else with my body right now mm-hmm. that I don't absolutely have to do. And, uh, and I just started crying, wow. telling them, and of course, they were like, oh, my gosh, we never expected you to do this. Right. I said, I'm so guilty. I feel so guilty. Um, and then I did have like one, probably two or three weeks after he was born. Um, I had all the surrogacy stuff, the contract and forms and all kinds of things. And I, you know, had it all sitting around and I gathered it all up. And I said, I guess I'm going to have to put this in a file somewhere and save it. And I just started crying mostly because yeah. it was over, you know, yeah. like there was, but there was also this feeling like, I guess, you know, of running a marathon or something like I've finished this project that I have been working on for yeah. a long time. 
and and it's done and completed and and it all went as planned but you're still kind of sad when it's over right mike what was what was going through your mind at this point um during the birth and all that after yeah I mean, it was, it was just kind of exciting. You know, one of the things is she, she had had a C-section with our son. So it was a scheduled C-section, um, which made, you know, things a lot easier. And, you know, I, I think I felt the same way, you know, that, that part of me was, um, glad it was over. And part of me was, was a little bit sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was glad, I mean, I was glad that we maintained a relationship with them and I don't know how that would have been if it was purely like a business transaction. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, because we we still have a a good relationship with them. I mean, we everybody gets busy, so we don't actually see each other all the time. But um, you know, we still get together with them occasionally, and uh, it's nice to you know see how he's growing up. And I think that especially um, as gay parents, it's been important to them uh, knowing that they would have to explain to him at some point exactly how he came into this world. They wanted to be able to, for him to know who they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's really powerful and really special that you have that relationship. Yeah. It was, it's, it's been a really nice relationship to, you know, continue just to know that it was, um, you know, to know that I'll know what happens to him. Yeah. Right? There, there were probably some times during the process and maybe it's because we're psychologists. So we overanalyze everything, but there <laughs> were, there were times during the process where I was like, I, I you know, I think, you know, I, I really like these guys and I think they seem to like us and I think we're going to maintain friendship. And then we're like, well, yeah, but they're paying us now, you know, like, right. but, Right. Yeah. There's, and even though it felt good and felt right and all that, there was that whole money thing that was there. Yeah. You know, there were times I even felt guilty that they were paying us, you know, because it, it just seemed like things were going so well and it just seemed like it was kind of meant to be. And so it, it, you know, I didn't know there was part of me that was like, well, after this is all over, we'll see, you know, we'll see mm. if we still stay close and we still, and you know, it's 10 years later and we still do. We only see each other a few times a year now, but um, and sometimes some years, just once a year, it just depends on what's going on, but we stay in touch by email and, you know, yeah, they, they wouldn't have to pretend at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, that's, that's really great. Um, what, what advice would you give intended parents who are looking for a surrogate, you know, people who are maybe just starting this process or even people who are in the midst of this process, um, from your perspective, like what should intended parents know, um, about a, about a surrogate, about surrogacy from a surrogate's perspective? I mean, I think just that, um, it's important toward the beginning to establish what kind of relationship you want to have. And, uh, I think that, it depends that different people work that out in different ways. Um, but I think you want to make sure that you're not treating your surrogate as if it's only a business relationship because it's still going to feel very personal for them. Yeah. And, um, it, I think you have to, as the parents be sensitive to that. And of course the surrogate has to be sensitive to the fact that the parents are, um, interesting you with something that's very precious to them and, and feel, you know, anxious about that at times. And, uh, you have to be kind of understanding of that. I do think that, um, 
it is probably in a lot of ways easier to carry for a gay couple just from, I guess, going back to being psychologists and kind of having thought a lot about the emotions involved in this. Um, no man really grows up imagining himself being pregnant or, you know, thinks that mm-hmm. there'll be a time life when he could get pregnant. And so I think the feelings are less um, confused or ambivalent, maybe when that's interesting about a man uh, or two men. Um, Whereas, understandably, when you're talking about um, a straight couple, uh, if they have been through a process of, of her trying to get pregnant, which often they have, you can understand that there there can be some mixed feelings, I guess. Some, or, ba- some baggage. Right. Some yeah. baggage go along with that. And I think that that probably complicates the, um, or can complicate the feelings in a way that uh, if you're, that, that wasn't there for my relationship because there, there was much more straightforward, um, you know, just uh, gratefulness <laughs> for yeah. what you're doing. And, and, uh, like I said, I think it's totally understandable that that kind of some feelings of um, confusion would be there if they are there. But I, I do think that that's something t- that a surrogate would have to be understanding about as well. Right. And what about for women who are considering becoming surrogates? What would you say to them? I guess do a lot of research and um, really feel like you understand the process pretty well before you go into it. And um, if you are going to, that, that you can do it on your own, um, you can do it independently, but it does need to be, um, it, you do need to be assertive in order to do that. You need to be able to speak up uh, for what you hope to get out of this, what you prefer, what kinds of, um, you know, rules you want to have around the pregnancy, what kinds of uh, ground rules you want to have around your relationship. And you'd have to be very willing to be that kind of person. Um, I say, you know, do it on your own. Sometimes when you tell people that you found it through some sort of online classified thing, they think it sounds like you then like went and made a baby in a back room. I mean, the, the on your own thing is only at the beginning because all the same kinds of professionals get involved in the process as soon as you to decide on working with each other, there are still attorneys and psychologists and, you know, medical clearances and all kinds of things that happen after that. And so I guess that's the whole, that's the part you have to be prepared for and kind of know what the process is going to be. Right. And I think the money part of it is part of it. You know, I, I, I said before, sometimes I felt guilty that they were paying us, but you know, I've also, you know, I've heard of people who, um, one of my coworkers said, oh, you know, my brother's having trouble getting pregnant and, and maybe I'll be a surrogate, you know? And one thing I said is, you know, it's, it's not just a strain on you being the surrogate and giving birth and all that. It's a strain on your whole family. Yeah. And, and the money kind of evens that out a little bit. Yeah. That's what I said to them. I said, you know, I, this is something that I want to do, but, um, this is not something that my husband and kid have said they want to do. They're just being supportive of me. So I feel like getting something out of this that I can then use to start a college fund and take a trip is paying them back to some extent for, right. because it is dealing with a pregnant woman in your house 24 seven is not always the most fun, especially yeah. at the 
Plus, you're hard to deal with without alcohol. So. That's a terrible. <laughs> I mean, I still had the alcohol. That's right. Um. Well, are there any final thoughts that either of you has? Hmm. Um. I guess. You know, I've just, I've had people ask me, I had people ask me during the pregnancy and then since then uh, something to the effect of how could you possibly give up a baby that you had oh, carried? Wow. And that's a question people sometimes have in their heads. Or they it, would say, It was oh, one I of the most common things people yeah. asked you. Oh, I how could you do that? that? Aren't you going to be so emotionally attached? I couldn't do that. And I think that if you are the kind of person who can... Um, you know, in a healthy way, compartmentalize and set boundaries that it's, it's not all that difficult because I went into this knowing from the very beginning that, uh, this was not my child. I was not biologically related to him. And I really felt like I was a super special babysitter. I was just taking care of him, uh, until I was, until he could come out and be with them. And so I really didn't, I, I did not have any of the same feelings when he was born that I had when my son was born. It was more like, oh, it's Mel and Jeff's baby. How sweet. I didn't right. want to cuddle with him, you know, any more than any average baby or, or anything. Cause it was just, um, I had set that, I had that mindset from the very beginning. And I think as long as you can, you are the kind of person who can do that and keep those kinds of boundaries that it's, it's not as difficult as people sometimes think it might be right and it's and it's super easy to recover from a c-section when you don't have a baby in the house oh my goodness <laughs> it's I a big difference wow yeah. for two weeks because you have to be after a, you're not supposed to drive and when i went back to work um well actually i went to a work party and one of these spouses of uh, a co-worker said you had the baby two weeks ago. You look amazing. And I said, I have not taken care of an infant. It's right. your body can heal. And I was just like sleeping and resting. And my kid was going to preschool just like normal. And uh, so, yeah, I felt like a million bucks. So it really was all about the sleep deprivation. I figured out. I confirmed my theory. Yeah, that's so I, interesting. <laughs> that's a secret. <laughs> was really about the not sleeping. It wasn't about just the pregnancy hormones. Right. Wow. Um, Well, Eric and Mike, it was really a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you for sharing your story. I know that so many people are going to find it fascinating and I think also really helpful. Um, So, yeah, again, I I really appreciate it. Tell tell Matt we say hello. Yes. Um, (laughs) I definitely will. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Honey, that was great, I think. 
Thank you. I have yet to listen to it. All right. Well. Well. Okay. Well, it's just because I haven't edited the podcast yet. I know. But when someone hears this, they'll be like, "He's he done, he did it now." I heard the interview. Yep. It's the magic of editing. Well, what did you? What was your? What was your best takeaway from that? From that interview, honey. Well, you know, I think that there's... This is kind of like on Real Sports with Brian Gumble when whoever did the magazine piece comes into the studio and talks to Brian Gumble about the piece. I think that there's a misconception um, that surrogates are like only in it for the money. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I've ever had that conception. Or not only in it for the money, but that the money is like a big motivating factor. And like, I think the money is definitely Mm -hmm. for a lot of people very helpful. But like, this woman just really wanted to be a surrogate. Yes. She really just wanted to help, help another couple have a baby. And she, she also like, uh, well, whatever. I mean, you guys you all you, you all heard, heard it. it. Um, but that that was the thing that I was like, that's really cool. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, she was great and her husband was great. And I'm just really glad that they talked to me. And I'm glad that they talked to all of us. And now here are some people that want to talk to us by emailing the podcast, which you can do at doriamatt at gmail.com or matt and dory at gmail.com. Uh, this one comes from a concerned uh, urologist. <laughs> that's a how I think that's how you say that, right? Urologist. Yeah, that's a that's someone who makes watches, a watchmaker. Yeah, that's our H O U R. Now, what Dory doesn't know is that I can see her computer in the reflection. I know that she's just looking at pianos right now. Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, this is from Jennifer. I'm horribly behind on the podcast. I just listened to episode 62 and overheard Matt say he wears his watch in the shower. As watch as a watchmaker's apprentice, I was absolutely shocked. <laughs> but you didn't think you had a watchmaker's apprentice listening to the pl- podcast? Oh, huh? I know. I have everyone listening. Uh, please don't do this. Adding on this, uh, adding on to this, no, no. Please tell him to keep his watches uh, in the bathroom. Do not keep his watches in the bathroom, which I do not. My watches, uh, she will be pleased to know that my watch, my watches sit in a watch winder next to the bed. Except when you wear them in the shower. Yeah. But when I'm not wearing certain watches, they stay there. Okay. Well, the ones that need to be wound, the automatic watches. Uh, many people do this, but the steam, heat, and humidity in most bathrooms can be detrimental to watches. Steam and heat cause the gaskets of the watch designed to protect the watch from dust, dirt, water, heat, and humidity to expand and contract, thus making them susceptible to premature aging and breaking. I know he has a James Bond Omega, and while they're rated for water-resistant, no watch is truly waterproof, especially not if he doesn't take the watch to get resealed regularly. Well, you know what? I don't, Jennifer, take it to get resealed regularly. What happens is I will break the watch, and then I send it back to Omega, and six weeks later, it comes back retested and resealed for a low, low price of $700, depending on which watch it is. Don't tell me that. Sometimes it's $600. If it's like a... That's insane. I think the Speedmaster costs more. Remember what I was saying before about how your hobbies are more expensive than my hobbies? Uh, watch, Watch wearing is not a hobby. It's a way of life. You know how I was saying your ways of life are more expensive than my ways of life? Uh, watch nerd, looking out for another watch nerd here. Love you both. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, I'm wearing an Apple watch right now, so can I shower with that? Please let me know. Okay. Um, we heard from 
some Voyage of the Mimi fans. I am excited about this. If you're not familiar with Voyage of the Mimi, well, quite frankly, you're missing out. Uh, this is from Becca. Just had to let you know, Voyage of the Mimi was in the Pacific, was a Pacific Northwest staple as well. We watched it in fourth or fifth grade and took a field trip to the t- coast to see the humpback whales. Uh, I was clearly paying loads of attention because I fully believed until listening to your podcast this morning that it was filmed and set off the coast of Washington State. <laughs> Aww. Cheers from Becca. Nice. That was the last email. Yeah. Unbelievable. How long was that interview you did? About 45 minutes. Oh, great. Plenty of podcasts given to everybody. That's what I... But if this is not enough podcast for you and you'd like a little bit more, there's a way you can get some. And that is by joining our Patreon page. If you go to patreon.com forward slash excellent adventure, you have the opportunity to get up to two bonus episodes a month. Uh, $5 will get you one bonus episode. $10 will get you two it's real easy, guys. Just go to patreon.com forward slash excellent adventure. A huge thank you to all those who have done so. And uh, if you support us at the $5 level or above, you will have your name read on the podcast each month. You also get the back catalog of Patreon episodes. So if you're like, man, I could use some more podcasts right now. Well, buckle up. There's a there's a lot in there. Also, this month, we managed to, we've already recorded a bonus episode. Yeah, I haven't put it up yet, though. Well, hopefully by the time people hear this. Probably, because I got to get that out of the garage band before I dump this in there. Then I got to put up uh, Star Trek. Then I got to edit James Bonding. I got a lot to do tonight. Yeah. All right, everybody. Okay. We'll see you. Oh, wait. We had one more name this month. Oh, sure. James Bricknell. Thank you, James. How did we miss James in the past? <sighs> um, he was like on the bottom of the spreadsheet. Oh, and, James. Yeah. James, James, James. Sorry, James. James, James. I James, hope we James, made it James. up to you. Bricknell. Yep. James Bricknell. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. If you come out with rock and roll, baby, let's go. Go, baby, 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 go, baby